Pulp MX Network production. You cast me What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Yeah, what's up? This is Darkside for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first... Let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp MX show. And now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on Seal Savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulpamex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulpamex Show, or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpamex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. It's Tickle Fuck. All right, our first guest of the night is going to be brought to you by our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Seal Savers brings us Cade Clayson. What's up, dude? Ah, uh, what's up, man? Seal Savers. Is that like the, uh, you know, the thing for saving the seals? Yes, the uh, the the seals in the in the ocean. They're there to save the seals. Uh, no, actually, yeah, right. <laughs> no, actually, Mason uh, texted me while uh, I think Betts made a comment about that. But what it is is a fork seal protector that you can wrap around your fork seals and keeps dirt and grime out. Uh, you know, you pull it off after you've been doing some mud motors or whatever, and your fork seals are clean, so you don't have to replace your fork seals as often. Awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Guts Racing is also a longtime sponsor of the wrap-up show. And tonight, they bring us everybody's favorite caller, Raining Yellow. What's up, my friend? What's up? Actually, um, Guts Racing is a local 
in my uh, NorCal region. So yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, Andy Gregg's up that way, up near uh, what the San Diego area, I think, near Daniel Blair from Schmain Event Smoto. More, more uh, like uh, I know Daniel Blair's like Lodi and all that, so a little more up north. Okay. Well, we're, we're glad they're on, as well as Motosport and Michelin Bicycle Tires. So thanks to Mason from Seal Savers coming on board. Tonight we're here to talk about episode 435, Chris Kiefer and Chris Betts in studio. Uh, guests were uh, RJ Hampshire, Alex Martin, Max Anstey, and Filthy Phil. A um, couple things I want to touch on just right off the bat. Did either of you watch on YouTube Rainy and Yellow? Watch. The race on YouTube? No, I'm sorry. Watch the show Monday night on YouTube or Facebook Live. No, I, I'm always just a straight uh, podcast. Pod. Okay. Audio. And Kate, you told me you were listening yesterday, I believe, so you probably didn't either. But uh, Kiefer brought his Loretta's trophy in, and this thing was beautiful. People were having a uh, having a lot of comments on YouTube and Facebook. It was pretty cool. And Steve, of course, was not happy because it was blocking the Red Bull James Stewart helmet that Rainy Yell loves so much. But if you guys didn't watch on, on either of the video platforms, you missed out on that, which you also missed out on our new producer, Talon, coming in looking like Post Malone or Post Talone, as they said. So neither one of you got to see any of that, correct? No, I didn't get to see any of it. Um, okay. I... Uh, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I was on my flight, so I didn't get to see any of it. I heard, does the trophy have lights? I heard it had batteries. Okay, so yeah, so I was watching on YouTube, and some comments were like, hey, tell Kiefer, somebody tell Kiefer to turn the lights on, which I had no idea. So I texted Kiefer, I said, does that thing have lights? Because people want to see it. And he didn't see the text until a couple hours later, and I guess apparently the battery was dead. But yes, it does light up. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Never got one of those myself. Yeah, that's it. pretty cool. I never have, and I never will either. But, uh, yeah, so a couple really cool things, though, that were going on or fun things that were going on. If you watch the video, you can still go to YouTube and check it out. So do that. Um, but let's let's get to the stuff that you guys do know about. The first thing I want to talk about, and I'll start with you, Raining Yellow, uh, a, a relatively new guest, a guy that hasn't been on at least in a long time, if he's ever been on. I, I'm not 100% sure, but Max Ansey comes on and both of you Cade and Rainy Yellow had some comments about him so Rainy Yellow uh, give me your thoughts on Max because the guy was very uh, well versed and I, in my opinion could tell a good story for sure you know honestly uh, not overly familiar with him uh, but know of him and I kind of became a fan just you know as, as a human being well spoken uh, smart guy and just his his you know travels and trials and tribulations and just you know you gotta appreciate any human being who's who's you know experienced life like that and still has that uh, positive, well-rounded outlook. So yeah. yeah, I thought it was really cool. I did too, Cade. Um, you also said you enjoyed that call. Um, tell me what you liked about it. And maybe we'll, we'll talk about a few things that he said. Yeah, I mean. He was just so real about how different, you know, it is coming to the U.S. and not, he, you know, he didn't try and sugarcoat it, really. He, he was straight up about how much of a change it's been for him and his wife. You know, I mean, like he said, you know, they were on vacation when they decided to, or on their honeymoon or whatever, when they finally decided to come back over. And 
you know, that's pretty cool to hear and to hear, like, just how different, like, the track prep is and stuff like that. You know, Steve always gets on the U.S. for designations and stuff like that. He, you know, he was like, the U.S. is at a It was cool to hear, like, a GP rider's side of all that stuff. Yeah. Um, Steve doesn't have many GP dudes come on, so um, it was cool to hear from Max. And, you know, I grew up, um, like, a year younger than Max, so I raced him a little bit when we were in the amateur ranks, and he was in the U.S., so um, it's cool to see him back over here and doing that stuff. And, yeah, it it was cool to see him up front, too. Yeah, and I thought it was kind of cool that he uh, he kind of confirmed what most of us Americans have said or thought, but you know, Red Redbud said really wasn't the case. But he's like, hey, that was not an American Redbud uh, prep track, you know. And I, I kind of thought that was cool that he he said that coming from the GPS. Um, and Raining Yellow, you know, kind of touching on what Kate said. Max was talking a lot about you know, or Steve asked him what's different now than when you were here before, and he talked about. The fact that now he's kind of controlling his own life. He was a kid then. All he did was ride. Everybody else was kind of controlling his life, and that that's made a big difference. And you know, he talked about being married. We know Kiefer's hashtag home life. So yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting the the difference in his age and maturity, and how that's affected how he's doing now. I mean, yeah, I, I remember uh, it struck me too how he said he wasn't even doing. I think you mentioned it was Facebook. Uh, how he had not even done his own, and uh, yeah, I mean that's honestly one of the the things I don't get is how these guys just not f up in life at the, at a young age, especially with so much structure and 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 just such weight on the shoulder for some of these young kids traveling the world and stuff. So yeah, it was it was. I mean, honestly, the guy was too smart almost and too. Well spoken. Can't have me even imagine him riding a dirt bike, let alone winning races. It was, it was really cool. All right, sorry, I had to take a quick little break. Raining Yellow's phone was very difficult to hear. He's he's moving around trying to fix that. So, Cade, um, Raining Yellow also talked about you know his experience and knowing when to take advantage of a situation. Uh, and just as a rider for your, your, like yourself, that that's a big deal, right? I mean, with age and experience comes a lot of knowledge, a lot of comfort comfortability, if that's a word. Um, would you agree with his comments? Oh, a hundred percent. And listening to him, he seems super smart and knowledgeable. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't try to come off as if you know he knows all these things about testing and all this stuff. Like when he was talking about testing suspension with. WP uh, back overseas, and they're like, yeah, we're going to give you Cairoli and Hurling study, and he's like, okay, just put it on there. We'll be good. <laughs> you know, don't, don't even touch it. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, okay. definitely. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but, you know, Kiefer was in studio. We know Kiefer has his top three moto wives. Um, I would encourage you guys all to go check out Max's beautiful wife. She may be a top three, top five um so his lovely wife anyway um we will move on from that okay the next thing i was going to talk about is our other in-studio guest chris chris betts man he's been uh in studio a number of times over the last year or so he's becoming a little bit of a regular and i I get the vibes from people uh on social media and i see it on like i said i was watching on youtube the comments some people really don't like the guy and then some people really love the guy. And, of course, we had the 
the White Claw count going. He's a bit of a character. I kind of said he's like a little kid in a candy store, man. He's just he he's new to the sport, and he's soaking it up and he loves it, but he doesn't quite understand it all. Um, but what what are your thoughts on Chris? I like Chris. I I like some of his viewpoints. Um, sometimes it's kind of fun to listen to him and Steve bitch at each other about baseball. Yeah. Sometimes it just goes way too long, and I'm just like, I just want to hear the motocross stuff. <laughs> um, okay. Green but, uh, but then, yeah, sometimes sometimes I'm just like, gosh, Chris, just, just shut up. Okay. Stop. You know what I mean? Because it's like sometimes he really doesn't get like the moto stuff, and then he just kind of like makes it a joke. Um, but, no, I like Chris. Just sometimes it does get on my nerves. But, I mean, it's cool that – like the last two times, I don't remember who he was in studio last time with. With I think it was uh, who lives in Vegas. Um, uh, uh, was now, it uh, Oak, Skip? Oak, it was Skip Norfolk because they had the. It was Skip, yeah. yeah. Him and Skip, and then this time it was him and Kiefer. Um, you know, Steve's always had someone like super knowledgeable there at the same time. So you kind of get the like I don't know shit about moto, and then the, I know everything about moto, and then they kind of cram it together. So it makes it for a good show. And I can see why some people might not like the guy, but I mean, it's not like I I hate him and don't think he should ever be on there. But right, um, well, I mean, I think he's a cool dude, and I mean, I think there's a reason that you know AC and Alex and those guys like him because I mean, he's a Florida guy and they're all friends. But right, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have any problems with it, but yeah, sometimes he gets on my nerves. Well, uh, you said you don't think he should like. You're not saying he should never be on there again. Uh, there was somebody on social media recently who uh, said no more bets. So let's pause real quick and see if Raining Yellow's got a good signal again. All right, so Raining Yellow, um, I just mentioned that, well, I'll tell you, Chris Betts actually texted me about two hours ago when he saw my post about the show. And he said, hey, is that the Raining Yellow guy, the guy that does it, said he doesn't want me on the show anymore? And I had to go search it out on Instagram. And, and you did. You, you said no more bets. What's, what's up with that? Uh, <laughs> that's funny that he texted you about that, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, um, it's not like Kate said, nothing personal. It's just, to me, it's, it almost seems like they're glorifying, like, I don't know, I, I don't want to step on Steve's toes, but it kind of sounds like they're, they're kind of blowing the guy a little, you know, um, like. He, if he wasn't a minor league baseball player, like, would anyone give a shit about what he has to say or, or, or think his ignorance is funny as far as the sport? Uh, man, honestly, I think that definitely got his foot in the door because of AC. That's how Steve got to know him. But I, I think that if Steve had another fa- friend, you know, we know how Steve is with friends, but if he, if he met somebody that he became friends with that didn't really know a lot about it and got but got into it, I think he would probably – as long as the guy's entertaining, and I think it's kind of 50-50 raining yellow from what I see of, of whether people find him entertaining or not. I personally do find him entertaining. Uh, his stories that we're going to talk about or his questions to Kiefer and JT, I, I thought they were funny and they had me laughing and I've got some good sound drops coming up. I mean, Obviously, it's fine if that's your opinion, um, but it, I, I think the guy's – so, no, I would say no. If, if he wasn't a baseball guy, he probably would not have got his foot, foot in the door, though. I, I, you know, I think maybe what bothers me is kind of like the, the white claw thing, and then you could tell I, he comes off as arrogant to me and like, uh, you know, like, fuck that guy. I don't give a fuck, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, 
But everyone listening, we do give a fuck, you know? I don't know. Well, okay, I can see where you're coming from with that. But, Cade, I think when Chris is doing that, like he, he'll say, like he said, a bunch Monday night when callers would call in, hey, do you have a bike? Well, we don't have anything for you. But I don't think he's really just – I don't know. I didn't take it as arrogance. He's just trying to be funny, and I think that's just – he's kind of a smart-ass sense of humor, which I, I am too at times. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's just his way of joking around, which – I mean, it isn't a bad thing. I mean, I think everybody who comes on the show kind of has their own little sense of humor that they bring to the table. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, it's, that's kind of his little niche. That's uh, that. But I, well, you know, it, everybody has their opinions of everybody. Look, look at all the the hate I used to get. It's been getting better, but there's always going to be haters and people that don't like it. Not not every topic is for everybody. Uh, you know, Mathis talks about baseball now and hockey and e-bikes and motocross and uh, whatever else, hot tubs. So, you know, we're, there's a little bit of something for everybody. That didn't come out right, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, all right, so I do want to touch on, Cade, some of these things that Chris Betts brought up. So the first one I want to touch on was he asked Kiefer and Jason Thomas and Steve if he could make a mud supercross night show if he practiced for a year, you know, got a fire truck, watered the truck, you guys know the story. Uh, and after all his explanations, Chris Kiefer said, yeah, maybe it's possible. I'll so, probably blow a fuel plug. That right there just kind of gives you the knowledge that Chris Betts has. But uh, seriously, what are your thoughts, man? You're a, you're a Supercross rider, Cade. Any chance on planet Earth that, he could, that somebody could make that happen? Uh, I mean, I guess. I think... I think one thing that they got wrong was, you know, JT was saying that there's no chance in the 450 class, there's a slim chance in the 250 class, but, you know, he has a better chance if guys aren't able to jump stuff, you know what I mean? And which didn't really make sense to me because the 250 guys get a better track than the 450 guys, and in rea- most of the time the, the 450 class has a bigger gap. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it sucks to say, but, I mean, if it's going to be a 20-second difference between first and 40th and a mutter, maybe. But I would say there's like a 1% chance that he could make that happen. Yeah, you, you don't want to say anything is impossible. Uh, still, again, right, this is entertaining at the very least. I mean, is it likely? No. But it's it's funny. I mean, I got a laugh out of it. People on social media were getting a laugh at it for the most part. Some people thought it was stupid, and this is where they were kind of like, oh, this is enough. They didn't like it. Some people thought it was disrespectful that he was even asking this, and I totally disagree with that. Uh, Raining Yellow, his idea for an extendable Kickstarter. I laughed my ass off. Your thoughts? I, <laughs> I don't even want a Kickstarter on my bike. Let's just say that. All right, guys, we had the drop raining yellow. Phone signal just was not working. So, Kate, I'll turn it over to you. The uh, the Kickstarter, again, we know this is ridiculous, but I laughed, man. And, like, I want to laugh during the Pulp Show. I want When I'm listening to a show for five hours, I don't need just the, I don't know, the gritty info, you know, the details of a race. Like, this is the kind of shit I want. It's good. It's It's entertainment. I mean, I could I don't could agree do with some entertainment. I, I enjoy him thinking he can make a Supercross main more than a Kickstarter being <laughs> a kickstand. Right, okay. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, either way, whatever works, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, it's an idea. It's not a very good one, 
but it's an idea. Yeah, I, I, yes. I mean, it wasn't a good one. It was ludicrous. But the fact that he didn't understand why, like that to me, I, I don't know. I thought it was good. I like bets, so more bets for me. I'm fine. Um, okay, and, and JT? I might, have to, I might have to take him down on his white claws. How many did he get down the one night, 11? I think Maybe it was 11 12 or 12 the last time, and I actually – the last 45 minutes or so, I turned off the show on YouTube and spent time with Amber, so I never saw the final count, to be honest. Man, I might have to take me a pack uh, and uh, you know take down this record next week. All right. We now have an official White Claw Challenge by Cade Clayson. This is going to get good. I said maybe. No, nah, you're, you're in. It's, it's, it's stamped now. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to make it happen. All right. <laughs> Um, Whatever. All right, the other topic that I want to touch on real quick with bets, and this has been ongoing for a while. Steve, I guess, really believes that he can make it from first base to second base before pretty much anybody normal could throw throw a pitch to bets, and bets would have to throw him out at second. Uh, I, I think I, I kind of texted JT because JT was on the phone for part of this and said, "Man, he'll Steve a trip over his flip flops." Uh, <laughs> Any chance, any chance that Steve can make it from first to second? Hell, even with Pookie throwing bets the ball. Um, no, I think, I think Betsy gets him out. I do too. You give me, you just give me a one point eight second window to throw you out. I would yeah. give you a Make a Wish yeah. kid to throw it to home plate yeah. and still throw so you some, out. So, who's pitching? Well, apparently, a Make a Wish kid could do it. Uh, good stuff for bets. Uh, again, I think it's almost. As long as the person can throw the ball, actually get the ball from the pitcher's mound to Betts without it rolling, I think Betts wins. Agreed. Okay, cool. I'm glad you agree with me because I'm right. <laughs> All right, let's talk about a couple things that happened at Loretta's that they touched on. Our boy Zacho wins again. Uh, he's 40 points up on Eli. Uh, you know, he's coming off the Supercross win, which I think is awesome. Two wins in outdoors. And, I, you know, this guy's, can he keep this thing going, right? Can Eli come back from 40 points down? Uh, Steve had a thought on Zach. He, he's a guy that thrives on confidence either way, I think. If shit's going bad, like Supercross, where he's crashing and he's picking up his bike and he's crashing again, that, that, that's a negative way. And then I think he rides the highs and the lows. But he's in a high now, so now he's riding that. I think he's a head case more than other guys. So Steve thinks Zacho is a bit of a head case which I think probably all you riders are a bit of a head case. Uh, but do you think, I don't know how well you know Zach, but do you think that he could keep this thing going, uh, keep his head, you know, not be a head case, and win this championship or, you know, keep the points lead? I think that now he's won a couple, so I think his confidence is always going to be a little bit higher now than it has been since he's been in the class. Uh, I think he's definitely going to have, you know, some low weekends. At some point, there's going to be a lull, you know, and it's going to, you know, he's going to drop, and he's probably going to be around that five, six, seven range for a couple motos. But the the best way for him to do it is to just ride those out, finish those motos, and then get back to winning. Because it happens to everybody basically, except Eli. Yeah. Um, you know, in the past few years, you know, Eli's always been kind of on the box or right there. He might have one bad moto, and then he'll come out and win the next one by 45 seconds. Um, but I think Zach can be kind of a head case, and that sucks to say because Zach and I are good friends. 
Um, but I think you were you kind of hit the nail on the head. Everyone's a head case in their own little way. Nobody. If I go out and win, I'm going to think that I can win the next weekend, and I'm going to probably go a little bit faster than I would go if I thought I was barely going to make the night show, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I look forward to finding out. I think it's going to be good. Uh, and Yeah, I, I see what Steve's saying. You know, again, I think they're all a bit of a head case with certain things and certain instances and all that. But um, I think I think Zach's good this year, man. I think he's. I think this is it. I think this is his year. Yeah, I don't believe anybody deserves it more than Zach. I mean, just the, what he's been through, how hard he works, and and the type of human being that he is. He just, yeah, he deserves it. So I, I hope big things happen for the guy. Um, the reason he's 40 points ahead of Eli is the bike, right? The Kawasaki, Eli's bike, pro, DNFs, both motos. Uh, sounds like it was clutches. And and Steve made the the comment that you know you as a rider, part of your job is keeping the bike running. You you know Eli knows the issues he has with being hard on clutches. Uh, it's not the team's fault. You got to you got to take some of this responsibility. And I I totally agree with this. Chris was pissed off that Eli threw his bike down. That's another hot topic too. Uh, you know it's kind of babyish. I think it's disrespectful to the bike possibly. Uh, and, and John Tomac was standing right there. You could have just handed it to John. Give me your thoughts, man. Is uh, Are they on point? Do you have a different a, a different opinion? I think you can blame Eli to a point. Um, you know, I think they knew it was going to be a mutter. They know Eli's hard on clutches. I'm sure that there's something that a team like Cowie can do to, to help that issue, whether it's running oil cooler or something like that, to help with that type of stuff. I don't know, um, but I, I can agree that, you know, Adam's bike made it to the end, right, both motos? Yep, sure so, did. You know, his. I'm, I'm sure they're on the same motorcycle. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I know Dylan's not going to like this, but it's, that's how it is. You know, Adam, Adam's a very smooth, fluid guy, and his bike made it both motos, and Eli's didn't. So, and it sucks to say, but that's how it is. So, yeah, and in that, that, reality... It's that, Eli's fault that his bike didn't make it to the end. I, I agree, and I think Steve's definitely right on this one. And you just touched on Dylan and with Betts in studio. I want to bring up something that they did not get to on Pulp, but it's Pulp-related because of Betts, and they were supposed to talk about it. At, at least I thought they were. Um, Superfan Dylan, super fan Eli, Eli Superfan Dylan, made a tweet that day, the day of the race, and this is what he says. He says, With the emotional distraught I am feeling because of the worthless engines, uh, i.e. Kawasaki, plus AC9 taking out ET1, I cannot imagine the pain Eli Tomac is experiencing. Uh, so I know Betts had some comments on this, or some thoughts on this, which he did not get to discuss Monday night. I tried to get him on here tonight, but he had some batting practice and some other plans. But Dylan, man, I like you, dude. You, I, I, I think you're. You, I consider you a buddy. I think you're wholeheartedly wrong. Uh, the bike pro, the engine problems were not were not Kawasaki's. They were due to the conditions. We saw we saw AC finish, and I watched that replay back three or four times. AC did not take out Eli. Eli ran into the back of AC. They couldn't see. They're pulling roll offs. Uh, it, it it was definitely unintentional and nothing in my opinion, of A. Adam C. and Cirillo's fault. Uh, Cade, I'm sure you watched it a couple times. What do you think of Dylan's comments? I mean, I definitely think 
that there's no possible way Eli, or Adam would clean out Eli in the first turn on purpose. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Well, he I, was in. He was it, two bike lengths in front. He couldn't even see. He he had no idea Eli was behind him. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I I get. I don't remember who made the comments. I think it might have been Sabachi that they should have pushed all the water, or at least tried to push some of it off the start because it was a bit ridiculous how much water was sitting on the start straight. But, yeah, once one of those dudes hits that puddle, ain't nobody going to be able to see. Yep. So, that's. I mean, there's no way any of those dudes went around the first turn being able to see anything but maybe it's a, a little dot on their front fender. Exactly. Because once so, everything's brown, it's all going to blend together. <laughs> right, so, right. And you're really just rolling blind, hoping that everyone's going the same direction you are. I, I agree. And so, Dylan, he ran into the back of him. Yeah, Dylan, I'm sorry, man. Uh, I just disagree with you on this one. I know you're passionate, extremely passionate about Eli, but sometimes things just happen, dude. Uh, and to what you said, Cade, Alex Martin said in the press conference Saturday night that, like, you know, he took that inside gate pick and, and he knew that puddle was there, and his only goal was to get to that puddle before anybody else so that he could splash RJ and Dylan. So, yeah, it was. It was a little ridiculous. They all knew it was there, and you, you, yeah, they should have probably the track should have probably tried to fix that. But uh, anyway, that's that's my thoughts on that. And I know Betts had some thoughts, and you can only imagine what Chris Betts's opinions of Dylan's comment were. Okay, um, so I want to move on to uh, R.J. Hampshire. A lot of people on YouTube thought R.J.'s interview was a little boring. I I, I don't. I think R.J. is a good interview. I thought he gave some good content. Uh, I like the fact of him talking about asking Brandon Hartraff to help out when he was stuck in the mud. And I kind of found it interesting what he was talking about with his, his knees, you know, going running two weeks after surgery. Uh, that, that was some insightful stuff of how he got back so quick. What did you think about RJ? Yeah, I liked RJ. I thought it was cool to hear his side of the knee thing. Um, I, I have so many opinions on knee injuries because I have a torn ACL myself that I've had since it's been torn since 2015. And I just, I've never gotten it fixed. Um, and some people think I'm crazy. And then I know lots of people who have also never gotten it. Because it's completely torn, a completely torn ACL, never, not fixed. So mm. everyone kind of has their opinion on it. And it was cool to see or hear, you know, his side of it and to see how he, because I'm, I'm not a huge runner. And I know how sore I am after I run. But I'm pretty sure uh, running is like his main form of cardio i don't think he's big into cycling or anything like that so um it's probably a lot easier for him and you know personally there's no way i would be running two weeks after an acl surgery yeah but, i can't imagine it you know for for a guy like him who's you know a true runner that's that's pretty unreal to be able to hear yeah i i was very surprised you know i i think of i've never had a knee injury but i think of myself and the injuries I've had, you know, whether it be a collarbone or a wrist and how long it takes to heal. And then you hear about these guys being back on the bike in like two weeks or whatever, you know, and I mean, I have a collarbone that's plated and I don't, there's no chance I would have been back on a bike in two weeks. I was still hurting and maybe I'm just a, a, a puss, but it's, it's pretty impressive what athletes of your caliber, their caliber, what you guys can put yourselves through to get back out there. It's, uh, I think it's impressive and I liked hearing about it. So I, I thought RJ was great. Um, I will say I gave RJ a little bit of crap because I tried to get him on my show last week after the first round, and he uh, his reply was, "Hey man, let's wait." <laughs> I'm gonna kind of blow him out here, but he said, "Like let's wait till I get the red plate." 
before I, <clears throat> excuse me, before I do a podcast. Sure, no problem. Well, then <laughs> Monday I see that Steve's got him on, so I kind of called about the press conference. It's like I'll, I'll forgive you for doing Pulp Show, but yeah, you, you kind of he kind of blew me off to do and, and did Pulp anyway. So I gave him a little bit of crap. I thought that was funny, but he he just. He said he owed Pulp one, so maybe maybe there's something more there. He, he probably owes Pulp more than one. I think yeah. that's why he's been wearing his helmet in practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just busting his balls, and it's cool. But I think RJ's a good dude, man. I, he's, I think he's a good interview. You know, not everybody has that Adam C and Cirillo uh, type of personality, but at the same time, he's not very just like super dry and one or two word answers. He he gives content, man. So I thought it was good. Let's uh let's talk about Steve's boy, Troll Train Alex Martin. Super stoked for the guy. He was he said he was a little bummed and uh, made it tough to sleep that he didn't get the one one. Give me give me some thoughts on Alex. Yeah, it's a bummer he didn't uh, get the win in the first moto. I texted him and uh, gave him some crap for that too. But uh, no, I'm pumped to see him win. You know, I, I don't want, I think he's came a long way. I think it's time for him to kind of get the job done. So it was cool to see him. You know, he won by what almost a minute. Yeah. So it uh, it's pretty awesome to see him. You know, get back up to that pace was I think when he was with I don't remember who he was winning with was he Star that he was doing so yes. well with Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know he can get back to that form and if he can prove personally, in my opinion, if he can prove that he can win on a Suzuki, he can win on anything. So. <laughs> Uh, that got brought up. That's, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a quite a long time. And, I mean, I, I've never ridden one of those Suzuki TVDS, so my opinion doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, looking at them, they don't look like they're quite on par with the star bikes. But he went out there and beat them in some of the deepest conditions you can do it in. So th- that bike must be pretty dang good. Yeah, uh, well, and speaking of that, you know, he, they, that got brought up. And I'm going to play a piece of audio real quick. How about the Suzuki starts so far this year? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, I actually get a kick out of it because, I mean, I, I get the, you know, the vital pundits, they're, they're hammering the Suzuki. And, you know, you got raining yellow in there sticking up for everyone. So, yeah, there you go. That's uh, a little defense of the, the Suzuki's. And uh, apparently our guy that we had on a little bit ago, raining yellow, got he got he got a shout-out from Vital. That's kind of cool, Cade. Yeah, yeah, that's rad. Um, you know, I asked you. I didn't, I don't really know. I didn't really know who he was until this show and everyone was i asked him i asked you and steve and he's like oh man big suzuki guy big big suzuki guy big james stewart guy yeah he was he had some comments he wanted to discuss about the james stewart helmet uh unfortunately he's not on but i may get him on at the end of the show again and see if we can get a better signal where i can at least let him respond to alex giving him the shout out um but the other thing with the suzuki's is alex actually told chris Kiefer. That hey, I'd like you to test my Suzuki, my JGR Suzuki 250. Uh, which man, these you know, Steve and uh, Chris, dude, they're getting a, a lot of offers. The star thing fell through, a lot of cool offers to ride bikes that uh, n- most of us would like to have a chance to ride. Yeah, I think that's pretty rad. Um, and you know what? I don't think they would have gotten all those offers if they would have just rode the star bike straight up. Um, oh, okay, now you know, they saw how much how many people actually pay attention to them wanting to ride the star bike and then getting shut down and i was like well i'll take that attention you guys can just ride our bike and then all these people can see what you think of ours good so I point. Thought that was pretty yeah yeah so i thought that was pretty cool that's a good point i you would know. love this 
I would love to see Kiefer get to ride more of those factory bikes and stuff. I mean, I don't see why it's such a big deal. Like, if there's something secret, like, don't tell him what it is. Tell him he can't ride it. And Chris is pretty good about that stuff. Like, I'll ask Chris questions sometimes, and he's like, look, I can't I can't tell you this. I can't tell you that. And I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he- you know, so it's, it's easy for them to keep that secret. You know, I mean, I don't think Chris, Chris isn't the guy that's going to, you know, go test something at Geico and then go tell Star, hey, oh, no, hey no. they're doing this. You need to do this. So, you know, I think Chris is a pretty cool dude that will keep that stuff to himself. Yeah, Chris respects the job way too much to do that, so I totally agree. Um, Chris did say that he would like to go to JGR to ride the bike. Good. I'm out. I'm really? out. Yeah. I don't want to fly out. I don't want to. I don't want to go anywhere. Oh. I don't have to go. oh my god, you're such a prima donna, Steve. Yeah, there we go. So, how many of it? Like, Cade, would you fly across the country to go ride a JGR bike? To ride a JGR bike, yes. To ride a JGR bike, I would fly anywhere to ride their bike. Okay. I wouldn't fly there if I, if the option was to ride it in california or fly there to ride it on their track i'd probably choose california i don't love their outdoor track that much it's it's something special but it's, it's not a you're not kind of track. you're not saying that though like it like like steve being a prima donna you just don't want to travel to do it you're just saying that because you don't like the track as much yeah, we'll go with that yeah okay a, all right well well as well as you know steve and listening to the show I mean, do you kind of do you think he's a little bit of a prima donna? Do you agree? Is it Amart? Uh, oh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, him and his Starbucks and all the nonsense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I thought that you know I liked Alex Mark cutting that out, and I I cut that piece of audio and sent it to Travis Mark. So hopefully that'll be something new that gets a little bit of play. Let me thank our sponsors real quick again. Guts Racing uh, for the highest performance seat covers and foam on the market. Visit visit gutsracing.com, and of course Michelin Bicycle Tires bike.michelin.com for the uh, mountain bike tires at Cam Zinc and Sam Hill Run. Check those out. Uh, support Randy Richardson. Sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied. Motorsport.com. for our t- If you want to go buy these products, you can hit up motorsport.com. You can go to pulpmexshow.com. Click on the sponsor tab. Sponsor links are there. Discount codes are there. And, of course, our newest sponsor, thanks to Mason for coming on with Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Check out SealSavers.com, and there is a discount called Pulp25 to save 25% off. Thanks again to Mason for coming on. Uh, I don't know what that means. You know, if that now means I can afford a Lambo or not, I don't know if that does anything for my income. But we appreciate all these sponsors because I do want this wrap-up show to keep going. I want to be able to keep having guys like Kate on, Randy Yellow, Randy Richardson, uh, you know, any Chris Kiefer hopefully is going to be coming on soon. So we want to keep this thing going. All right, uh, next topic, Cade. Filthy Phil. We got Filthy Phil on at the end of the Alex Martin interview. I love Phil. Talked a little bit about Canada. Talked about playing bingo. Uh, give me your thoughts, man. Phil sucks. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, <laughs> Phil and I. Phil and I have had our run-ins in the past. Now we're friends. Now it's all good. I'm just joking. Uh, but uh, no, Phil's a good interview. I think he's he's getting older, man. He's getting old. He's gonna have to uh, bring that fire back out if he wants to win the championship this year. Because man, he's getting soft. Oh, do you think that's what it is? You can. He's getting soft, man. I think I think Troll said it on the show too. I think he's getting soft. <laughs> okay. Well, it's now I need to problem. cut. I have to cut this audio and send it to Phil. All right, that's fair. <laughs> well, what what's getting soft? You think it's uh, just like you said, the age, and he's not trying as hard, not putting in the effort, or 
Uh, what do you think no, it is? I think, he's, I, think he's, I think he's probably riding faster than he ever has. I yeah. Think he's just he's not as angry. He needs a little bit more anger in his life. I told him, I told him, I, I think it's because I'm gone. You know, he'd just see me all the time and he'd get a little more mad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now he doesn't get to see me anymore up there. So right. he, doesn't have that, he doesn't have that fire under him. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, I think most of the listeners of Pulpamex love Phil. Uh, you know, I, I missed the, what was the, the Instagram that used to be? Was it the Black Cloud or? Oh, it's Bad News Phil. Bad News Phil, yeah. We just talked about the back Black Cloud over him, yeah. Uh, that that's that. I haven't seen anything on that in a while. So whoever was doing that needs to get back to it. Uh, it was uh, it was the boys at JGR. Oh, it was. It. Yeah, because it started when he was there. It was uh, some of the guys there. I think that did it. Oh, that's and, great. You know, now he left and he doesn't see him anymore, so I don't think they run it. Okay, well that that's great. Um, Steve did say that he was talking about getting his 2021 Yamaha YZ450F. Uh, and Phil was blown away. He's like, how are you getting one before actual teams? What, what do you think about that, man? I mean, like, that's – Steve does have uh, his connections, and sometimes they're pretty impressive. Yeah, but, I mean, it's probably well-deserved. I mean, yeah. Steve, Steve has uh, earned everything that he's probably gotten. So, I mean, I don't see a problem with it. I mean, the companies want to get, you know, the bike, people excited about the bike and stuff like that. So – you know, Steve has to ride it. Steve has to talk about it. So he has to have one to, you know, promote other people to buy it. And, sure. you know, most of the time, dealerships have to get bikes to sell before dealerships can get bikes to give to, you know, teams and stuff like that. Because most of the small teams get their bikes from dealerships. They don't get them direct from Yamaha or whatever company. So, right. you know, they get sent to a dealership. The dealership lends them to the team for the year and then they get back and then they get sold as a used bike and you know the dealership gets some promotion stuff like that but the, the dealerships still have to sell bikes so um i mean steve just gets his bikes direct from yamaha because he's such a big deal so i mean i understand it for sure i think obviously phil was kidding but um yeah, I don't see anything wrong with it no no i didn't mean it is there something wrong with it it's just impressive like he really has uh, become a huge staple of the industry. You know, I, I think he knows it, but he he really. I, I don't know if everybody else understands why some of this happens. You know, if you're not a big time pulp listener, you may not really realize the uh, the influence. As he says, I'm an influencer, right? But he really is, and uh, so yeah, I guess I'm blowing him again. But it, it's true. Uh, he did say that he might run 54 at the Glen Helen Vet Worlds this year if he runs it again in honor of Phil. At which, you know, Phil said, you better get some better starts. Helen Keller could have got better starts. <laughs> so if you don't know who Helen Keller is, look it up. You you must be way too young if you don't know. But uh, the great quote, better get better starts. And I'm going to remind everybody that I was the one that filmed that start. So I'll take credit for that, for anybody getting to see that wonderful start that was at Moto 1 at Glen Helen. Um, do you, did you get the chance to see it, Cade? Bro, who hasn't seen it? It's all over the moto world. I'm pretty sure it was tagged on Vital. Nice. Uh, yeah, so fantastic starts. About as almost as impressive as my wall jump on the Yamaha. That those were pretty equal. No, Steve's was better. Okay, good, good. I, I actually don't want to be in the running for that personally. Um, so let's look at okay, a couple callers I want to talk about. We're we're starting to wind this thing down, Cade. Uh, Cody Piscatelli 
calls in, and I know Cody, he is a paraplegic that just started riding again, uh, and he, he asked Chris some setup questions. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, Chris kind of gave him some good advice. I like Cody. I just wanted to give him a shout-out for that. Um, and then the other one that I want to touch on was the guy that called in that was losing coolant in his, his YZF450. Betts had a pretty great comeback or a, a quote of, Did you, have you tried turning it off and back on? <laughs> right? I See? did like that. See, that's good. That's like good that. stuff. Uh, good stuff. And, and Kiefer, you know, tried to help him out a little bit. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Here's one more. Somebody was asking Steve about the prestige of Loretta's uh, because they had an amateur day, right? That was a little bit of a stink. People were pissed off that after the Pro National, there was an amateur day that you didn't have to qualify for throughout the year. And does it take away from the prestige? Chris doesn't really think so. Uh, Bet said it's a dirt bike track. Who cares? Which I kind of somewhat agree myself, but I want to get your your thoughts. So the only reason like they have Loretta's at Loretta's is because um, nobody else rides there all year, right? You know what I mean? Sure. So. No one truly has an advantage there unless, you know, you qualify every year like Adam did. Obviously, you remember things about the track. But, you know, if you you know if you know go to a local, you go to Glen Helen, guys are going way faster at Glen Helen than they're going to go at a different track because they ride at Glen Helen every day. Okay. Um, so I think that is something that kind of bummed people out um, is that now other people are getting to ride the track more often. You know, the locals really is all I mean. Um, but as far as the prestige goes, not really. Who cares? I mean, they still have to earn qualifying for that race. It's more of like the name Loretta Lynn's, the race at Loretta Lynn's. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Not, the only thing I could see is people being annoyed that, you know, that but being able to ride the track more than once a year is all I mean. Yeah. But I, since it's after the, after the Amateur National, I don't really see a problem with it. Right. I think if you take it for what it actually is, right, they – MX Sports is trying to find a place to race this year, and Loretta's was available. They were able to make it work. But in order to have fans there, they had to have like a little loophole. That's, that's part of the reason the fans, if you signed up for the amateur race, you could come to the pro race. That's the way I understood it anyway. I don't know if that's for sure. But even if it's not, the track, you know, trying to make a little extra money, who really gives a shit? I mean, I don't. Not that big of a deal. If you take it for the circumstances of 2020, it really isn't that big of a deal. You know, it's, it just isn't. Uh, it's, it's a totally different situation. If you are going to your area qualifiers to make their Loretta Amateur National and go there for a full week, just because you want to ride that particular track, and that's the only reason you're doing it, that's ridiculous. You're doing it for what that event is, what it means to you, like Chris Kiefer. Steve doesn't agree with it being a big deal, but a lot of people do. So having another race that's separate, to me, it does. They just don't have anything to do with each other. Yeah, I understand it, and especially since it's after, you know, the amateur national, and there's a long time in between. It really doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I just think it's two separate deals. Like the amateur national is this week long big deal to a lot of people. A one day race on Sunday or whatever. It's, it's just it's not the same thing it, it doesn't mean the same thing it's not the same accomplishment so get over it um but anyway so bets yeah bets says who cares and i agree with his uh, uneducated motocross uneducation his thought his thought process on that 
Betts had a couple yeah. race tech rants, so I want to get your th- thoughts on these. Um, why the industry is so hush-hush on salaries, podium excuses, and drinking water on the podium. Those were his three race tech rants. Do you have any thoughts on any of them? Do any of them bother you? Do you disagree? Um, I think some. Be, I think some of the. I think the companies are going to be salty that that got brought up on the show. Um, but I mean, I mean, I think every person, every moto person, knew that they were drinking water. It's like the outside people that don't really watch moto don't think that they might be drinking Monster. You know what I mean? Like Beth said back in the day, he used to think yeah. they were actually drinking Monster on the podium, or we all knew that. Um, well, and do, then, you, do you I, think anybody that's listening to Pulp doesn't know that? Maybe a very select few. Okay. Like, like less than 10. Right, right. All right, continue. Um, and then what was the other one? I'm sorry. Uh, podium excuses and the hush-hush on salaries. Oh, the salary thing. I mean, I think the salary thing, I think it's just one of the problems is it's all privately run teams. It's not like public organizations like they are in baseball and stuff like that. Um, and I think it's kind of embarrassing, like, the amount that we all make. Agreed. So no one really, you know, teams, you know, if teams are only paying somebody 50 grand. They don't really want to go public with that because that's a bad look for the team and for the rider. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and there's, there, I think people would be surprised. There's more dudes in the 450 class making that amount or less than they would think. Um, and yeah. that sucks. That's not very much money. <laughs> no, it's not. And uh, but but do you but care? Podium, excuse, do you care? Uh, I mean, what Eli Tomac makes? Like, do you really care? Um, I mean, I think he makes too much money compared to dudes like myself. Okay, fair point. Um, that's what that's what bumps me out. I mean, I don't know what he makes. I remember one time I heard what a 250 guy made per main event win in Supercross, like what he would make off of bonuses and stuff. And, like, that, I mean, it was a crazy number, like over 100K. Yeah, yeah. That he would make off of bonuses from all these different companies combined. And, I mean, it's just like, like, what... Like, I don't feel like there should be that big of a difference between first and last. But that's just my opinion. I know a lot of people might not see it that way. But, um, I mean, I don't I don't need to know what they make. I mean, it would probably just bum me out and make <laughs> right, it more sure. of a more of a deal than it than it needs to be. You know, since it's quiet, I think I think that might be another reason it's quiet is because they don't want to make issues with guys who are, you know, out there not making anything or losing money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's the other problem with like our sport is there's dudes who can do it and lose money, where in baseball everyone who plays baseball makes money. Yeah, you know, there's that, not there's not a dude on that team who's not making money. But it's They're also profiting. the 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 number of people that watch the race or the the watch baseball and the money that sport brings in is astronomically larger. So there's more money to go around. And I'm not saying there's not more money that could be going around in in our sport. But I, I think it's apples to oranges to a little bit. Oh, for sure, for sure, I agree. Um, um, are you one of those as people? Far as the podium. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no! And then I was just going to say, as far as the podium stuff goes, I mean, I think some dudes do a good job of it, and some dudes don't. I think that's just personal preference. Some people want to put the blame on other people, and some people want to own up to it. Um, you know, I I try to be one of those people that 
say, you know, we had a problem or we did this or we did that and not, yeah, my team sucked today or anything like that because, you know, it's, it's, you could say, yeah, my team sucked, but it's, you know, I'm still on that. I'm a part of that team. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they could, I, I hate it when dudes try and go and put all the blame on an individual person or one thing. And you, in reality, you just got to own up to it and say you sucked or you did great. Yeah, I think that's the more professional way to do it for sure. Um, talking about salaries, you know, this gets brought up as Steve likes to talk about Betts' signing bonus. There's a lot of people that also on the chat room on YouTube that were like they're sick of hearing it. They don't care. Um, I think it's done for comedic reasons, but I, I do think some of that's a little overplayed. And speaking of that, that's another thing I want. I wanted to ask you guys. Um, the guy, a lot of the people on the chat room were saying that these guests are getting repetitive. Kiefer's in all the time. Betts is in all the time. Um, have you? Do you feel that way? Have you noticed that maybe the the guest pool has gotten gotten smaller because we haven't seen guys like Eddie Ray Watson was on the phone recently but he hasn't been in studio there's a lot of people that used to come on the show that really haven't anymore uh, uh, Thomas Victor from InFab some of those people that just aren't on the show anymore well I think part of the problem is right now um, is that some people don't want to fly and travel for something that's not really necessary yeah um, you know Steve Steve's cool. He covers people's flights and everything when they come in. And, but, you know, it's not like we're coming in and getting paid $1,000 to travel up there. You know, it's not like I'm flying to a race. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I'm coming up. I'm, you know, I love doing the show. That's why I'm going up. You know, it's not that far for me. But, you know, some of those guys who have families and everything, like, like this time, like I'm speaking because of COVID and stuff like that, that could be a major part. Like Chris is, Chris is only a two-hour drive away. Yes. So it's, it's super easy. And Betts, Betts just drove to Kiefer's house and then drove up with him. So it's it's a little bit different. Um, I think only certain people are willing to get on a plane and, you know, come do the show. So I think that's part of the reason. I'm sure when all this, when life kind of goes back to normal, you'll start to see um, more of a variety of guests come in. Yeah, I think so, too. And just FYI, uh, I'm willing to fly right now, Steve. So I have I have I can have some Mondays open. We we could do the show and then we could do my sound check and I will be happy. So yeah. If you just teach me you just tell me everything about every single song that you want to do your sound check for and I'll make Steve do it with me. Huh, I might I might consider that. Okay. We'll we'll talk about that off air. Uh all right, well, that was uh, the Race Tech rant of the night. A uh, couple more topics I've got here. We had a caller, I think his name was Carmo. That's what I wrote down. The lawyer who had his feelings hurt a little bit by Chris Kiefer, who did not respond back to him. The guy wanted to help Chris out when, uh, I think it was when he was got left Dirt Rider and there's you know maybe was looking for some work. <laughs> some of these... I'm trying to think how to say this. I don't want to hate on the guy, and I don't mean it that way. But did he? Did you? He strike you as like he was really butthurt? Yeah, kind of. And I get it, but at the same time, like I don't think people realize how many people probably hit up Chris for setting and you know saying, "Hey, I need your help." Hey, I need this. Like you know, Chris spends all day on the phone, all day at the track, like. 
you know, he doesn't have time to respond to some dude on Twitter saying, hey, man, I'm sorry you lost your job. I think I can help. You know what I mean? Like, especially when Chris is the one who left his job to go do something else. Right. And, you know, if Chris got fired and was like, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, provide for my family, then that's a whole different thing. But, um, I mean, I, I get it from Chris's point, but Chris is usually pretty good about responding to emails and stuff like that. So even though I give him crap all the time for not calling me back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think sometimes people have to be like, okay, yeah, this dude's probably pretty busy. Like, you know, it's kind of like DMing LeBron James. Well, it, not even because Chris actually does respond. I mean, and it sounded like they were communicating at just some point. Chris didn't respond to one of the messages. I held. He doesn't always respond to me either. So, uh, he's yeah. He is busy. He's constantly answering those those emails and DMs. So, uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, just like the other guy on the show, you know, he Chris told him to email him at his email address, and he'd send him over that the map that he needs for his bike. You know, I mean, Chris does that stuff so much. I was training a guy not that long ago who had just bought a new Yamaha, and it was a little too much for him. And I texted Chris. He sent. Um, he sent over a map, and you know I got the dude much more comfortable on his bike. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, that's that is a uh, classic, Chris. He he genuinely wants to help everybody and tries, but he just there is not enough time in the day all the time. So, uh, okay, um, Steve, uh, we should have talked about this when we were talking about Loretta's a little bit ago. But Steve asked how life has been since Loretta's. He asked Chris Key for this, basically trying to bust his balls a little bit because Steve doesn't think it's that important, that big of a deal. Not as big as a deal as Chris or a lot of other people think. Um, and, you know, he said, hey, Heather's proud of me. She's proud that I won. Brought up, wouldn't Pookie be more proud of you if you won Vet Nationals than not? We got Pookie on the, on the not really on the mic, but, you know, talking at least. And uh, Pookie just says she's always proud of him, and she doesn't really like Steve racing, which we kind of knew that, I think, from the past. Um, give me your thoughts on this, though, man. Like, really, if you're in Chris's shoes, it's a big deal, right? I mean, looking back on it now, like a rider's standpoint, yeah. Loretta's is important as a, as a stance of you have to be able to perform under pressure in a way, if that makes sense. Like, So you go to a qualifier and – you know, you have to make it to the regional, and you go to the regional, and that's your really your only shot. I mean, you might have qualified for two regions, but in reality, your parents don't want to go to the other ones. You have to go <laughs> to – you have to qualify at that one. You know, you have three motos. You have to do well in all of them to make it. And then you get to Loretta's, and if you want to do good, you have to do well in every moto. You know, I mean, obviously there's going to be problems, like your bike blows up or something happens, but – in reality, you have to be perfect all week without, you know, no warm-up, nothing. You just do a sight lap, and then you go. And, I mean, that's really all Loretta's teaches you. You know, the track, it's not like a pro track. You know, even I think they were talking about how the Gonzalez kid was saying how different the track was from the Loretta's week right. to the pro race. It's totally different. It's prep different. It's nowhere near the same, um, you know, I, I love it when I see those young kids trying to race the 125 classes, you know, the all-star thing that they were going to do at the Nationals this year. I think that's super cool. Yep. Um, 
I think that's a really good way to get better, um, to get ready for the pro stuff. You know, I, I, sometimes I wish, like, the Nationals had a little bit of a different schedule so they could implement, you know, like some amateur classes in on pro day to help get those, to groom those kids to get ready for that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, you look at Shimoda and Mumford, they show up and they struggle sometimes. And I think it's a big, it's a lot bigger of a difference than people are prepared for. They think getting ready at Paula is going to get them ready. and <laughs> It doesn't. Right. Yeah. If it wasn't for the TV package that we all love, they might be able to do stuff like that, but it's uh, I guess it's the give and take. Uh, yeah, I, I, go ahead. I agree. But from that, no, I I agree. From that topic, though, I I get the the sense that <clears throat> you you agree with Kiefer, and at least on this point, Steve's wrong. It is kind of a big deal. Holy crap! I don't know if you guys could hear that, but that was thunder. We we're we're uh, in the in the pathway of this hurricane that's coming, and things are starting to light up outside. So. We're going to wrap oh, this thing up. One more topic, e-bike life, uh, Cade. Steve, uh, Kiefer dropped off the new Taser MX, and typically Steve's a five. Let's talk uh, about e-bikes. It, okay, yeah. No, uh, no uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God. Kiefer brought me, brought me a present, and, and, and I can't wait. No shit. Are you actually excited to ride that? I'm a seven. A seven, Cade. That's big for our Steve Mathis. Uh, that is pretty big, dude. I mean... I'm, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't totally sold on the e-bike thing. And then um, when I rode them a lot in Salt Lake City, I, I became a lover. And, you know, I'd love to have one. Um, they're pricey. They're, they're pretty awesome. They're pricey. But I, I, it's, a, it's a thing I'll probably own in the future. Okay. Well, you could tell by Chris's reaction with the ugh that uh, he, he, he's, he's over the e-bike life. And uh, Steve's all in. And they brought up something that I didn't know that, like, GNCC, I guess, is having some e-bike races. Steve or Chris was completely out on that. And uh, Steve said that he is open-minded Steve. You're so race. stuck in your ways. I like it. And you're not? No. Oh, my oh God. No. I'm my no. Shit. Open-minded Steve, they call me. Open-minded Steve, Cade. Uh, typical, typical Steve kind of just... Wishy washy when it when it fits him, right? Yeah, exactly. He's all over the map. <laughs> he is all over the map, and uh, yeah, Kiefer's not having it. But I think part of it, he's playing that up a little bit too. I think Chris is. I don't think he hates it quite as much as he puts on. Oh, I don't either. Um, I think Chris. Uh, I think he enjoys it uh, when it's necessary. You know, yeah. what I, mean? I think Kiefer is one of those guys who loves to grind. And, you know, me, I, I mean, myself, I love to pedal, too. Um, I do a lot of climbing and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I would never be – I would never ride it all the time. And I, I think I've said this to Steve a thousand times. I think Steve should ride a normal bicycle every once in a while. And, um, and, and Chris but, said that that was part of his argument. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I mean, Steve's going to think the way he wants to. And I think that's all – is all Kiefer's trying to say is, you know, he doesn't want to be all e-bike all the time. Right, right. All right, we're going to wrap this thing up uh, before I lose power and lose all this. I appreciate it if you guys are still sticking around. Stay tuned. I, I do have a little extra with Raining Yellow that I pre-recorded a little bit ago. This thing's a mess. You guys will never figure it out. But there will be some more with Raining Yellow at the end of this podcast to recover some of the stuff that we lost when he was losing a signal. 
So check that out. I want to thank our new sponsor, Seal Savers, once again. Sealsavers.com. Use pulp code PULP25 for a discount. Also, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, and Motorsport.com. If you have any questions, comments, anything you want to add to Hello Pookie, it's darkside at pulpamex.com. Okay, thank you so much for coming on. I am sorry that this thing was such a mess tonight uh, with phone signals between rainy and yellow. You lost your signal at one point. Hopefully the show sounds good once I'm done with it. We'll see, but thank you for coming on. If not, you can just come on the show next week and put all the blame on me. Nope. And it'll be fine. I'll take the blame, man, because that's how I am. I, I'm not nah. like you guys on the podium and blaming my team. I could blame Steve. <laughs> I could blame Pope MX for the issues, but it, it was it was on me, man. It's just, it ha- Well, it was on the phone signals, really, but I'm going to take the blame because I'm the host. I need to make it sound right. Hopefully it sounds right in the end. But, again, thank you for putting up with it and all the crap that you had to deal with to get through the show. No, man, it's all good. I don't mind at all. I'm just driving along here, so it, uh, it don't mind. I don't mind it. You said you're headed to go ride, right? That's me on my way to the course. Hell yeah! Put some laps in, Cade, because uh, next, you know, 2021, we, you you got to stay in front of A Ray, my friend. Uh, of course I do. I'm going to stay in front of him in Colorado and Paula. Hell's yeah! That's my boy, Cade. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man. Thanks. See- Later. All right. See ya. Fuck my ass. All right, Rainy and Yellow. So I had brought up, we had some phone issues, and I brought up, we were talking about Chris Betts, and he had some cra- kind of crazy ideas, like his uh, his extendable Kickstarter that was also a kickstand. I mean, what did you think about some of those things? Because we know that Betts isn't, he's not a rider, right? He didn't grow up in this sport. He's He's like a little kid that's just learning some shit. So what, were you entertained by it? Was it annoying to you? What did you think? I, I, I won't say inter, I won't say entertained or annoyed. It was kind of just like, I was more kind of confused, like why, <laughs> why this was on the show. Okay. But I get it. Um, for one, it's you know I think all of us who ride moto, we don't even have a kickstand in the first place. True. Or a Kickstarter. I mean, I should say a Kickstarter. Well, Other some of us, RM Army, some of us ride RM older Army. bikes. I ride a fifteen, so I still kick mine. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that is true. I'm fortunate um but um i think i think my only thing i i have a hard time with bets and i i don't i don't hate the guy this or that because uh that could be said for me for many other people's point of view but um i think i think i get lost in translation where i think uh i think he can come off arrogant and as the white claw counter starts to ding more and more it comes out but um you know, I think uh, I think I guess my hope I would say is hope, hopefully sooner than later he starts starts catching on and some of these questions he has can uh, can be kept kept to himself. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Randy Yellow, you're you're not the only one that feels that way. I I, uh, I said this earlier when we lost you and I was talking to Cade that there are other people on uh, the chat rooms on YouTube and Facebook that that feel the same way, but then there's people that love them. And uh, you kind of touched on it. And I had said this to Kay that like, I got a lot of hate for a while and it's kind of slacked off, but most people, most of the people on the show, most of the people in the world seem to get that. If you're anywhere in, I don't want to say celebrity or, but if if people know who you are, there's going to be somebody that hates you. It just seems to be that way or doesn't agree with you or doesn't like you. And you're entitled to have that opinion that he's not 
one of your favorite in-studio guests. So, uh, and you're not alone. I, I'll just say this real quick, too, and uh, kind of zooming out and thinking of myself and how I got a lot of hate or, or people hating on you. I think what it is is when you're on a specific platform, it's very small percentage of who you really are. True. And you kind of fall into the, the shtick of, of, even when you hang out with certain friends, you kind of, certain behaviors of yours come out more. So uh, I guess... Uh, I guess we're all kind of being judged like a book by its cover. And uh, if he's in studio, I'd imagine, you know, he's probably a pretty good dude to hang out with. So Yeah, and, and I just brought this up with Kate a minute ago that somebody on on the chat room said that, like, these guests, all the guests are getting very repetitive. Like, Kiefer's in a bunch. Uh, Betts has been in a bunch. But like Kate brought up, we got COVID going on, so there's some travel issues. But I – and then I – talked about like a lot of the old guy the guys that used to come on like eddie ray and travis victor uh haven't been in in a while so do you feel that way do you feel like the guests are getting a little stale maybe steve should try to find some other people if he can if the situation was right to get some other people back in studio or some new people like myself yeah i mean i i think it's always great to have new people but you know, with with the whole COVID situation, people have to understand um, the fact that we have a show and we have racing to talk about is a blessing in itself. I mean, I'm fortunate for that. But uh, I th- I think the one benefit of having, you know, not every time, but having familiar faces come back around is you kind of you get more of that that connective banter going where it's more of, of like listening to a friend's conversation and you're in the room kind of like a fly on the wall. Yeah. Listening to friends and they can get a little more comfortable and it, it can be more fun um, as opposed to, you know, someone new all the time and kind of, you know, having to play it safe because it's a pretty open free for all show as far as the platform, what someone yeah. wants to say is going to, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I I agree. I like I like having certain people like uh, Kiefer in all the time, uh, and, and I personally I don't really have any problem with any of the guests. I mean, I'm, I just entertained by the show in general. Okay, I want to touch on I want to touch on a couple other things with you before I let you go. Um, Alex Martin, I played the clip earlier, was talking about Steve asked him about how about those starts with Suzuki's, and Amart was like, yeah, I want to touch on that. I want to talk about the Suzuki's. And he gave you a little shout-out about always having Suzuki's back on Vital. Was that pretty cool hearing him give you the, you know, saying you're, you're raining yellow on Pulpamex? You know, it, uh, every now and then I get to hear my name come up, and it's, <laughs> it's pretty damn cool. Uh, especially, yeah. um, I'm a fan of the Martin brothers, but uh, I got to be honest. You know, I, I check Vital like everyone else, and I'm, <laughs> I'm actually Blue Crew, baby. Um, the whole raining yellow thing is, uh, you know, when Stu was on Yoshimura, but, yeah. uh, but the fact that, you know, I mean, it's all super humbling and super cool. And the fact that, you know, you know, these writers check vital as well, just like all of us and listen to the show. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's super, super cool as a, as a fan and, and just as a, as a fan of the show and the sport. Yeah, definitely. All right, I want to. I got a couple of random questions for you uh, about just some. 
um, behind the scenes stuff. I want to get your thoughts on the Pulp Mix as, as since you're a big fan. What I want to know is if Steve was ever to allow you to sit in studio, like what's something that you would ask Steve about? I wouldn't ask because he'd say no, but I'd ask, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd smell and touch and maybe just caress like a baby the stew helmet. All right, that's a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, 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 if Steve hasn't done so himself as a fellow stew lover you know so uh, he's probably he got it on right now when whenever he listens back to this episode i bet he's wearing it i hope so <laughs> i hope so you know yeah. just ha- has it bedside you know it i know it might stay in studio i'd like to think he brings it up and you know puts it in bed with him and pookie and himself so no he doesn't role play man remember he's not into all that that's <laughs> that's true yeah yeah, so or at least he tells us he doesn't, but who knows? Right. Who knows? Uh, all right, one more question for you. Uh, is there anything that – I wish Cade was still on, but is there anything that you wonder about behind the scenes-wise? Like when you watch the show or listen to the show all these years, you know, like I, I'm real interested in, because I do th- my show, how the phone s- system works, right, and how they manipulate all the – the drops and work with each other. But like, is there anything while you're listening and you go like, man, I wonder how they do that. Or I wonder what they're talking about off air. Like what, what do you think about behind the scenes wise that interests you? I think, um, as it's mentioned before, like I think the new studio and, and I'm sure, you know, is, is downstairs. Yep. Kind of, um, just how it all comes to be, you know, like, you know, the guests coming over, ringing the doorbell or, or you know, and just the environment of before, all right, let's go downstairs and the hangout and, and the, you know, the the conversation before going downstairs and just, you know, what's being fed to the guys, you guys eating pizza and, and just just the whole environment of it, sure. you know, is, is, is kind of, uh, I'm sure, pretty cool and would just be be fun to kind of be a fly in the wall for all that. Yeah, well, I will I can tell you one time at Vegas last year, I, I had the pleasure of being invited over. And, uh, yeah, we did have pizza. And JT and Max Steffens and uh, I don't remember. Randy Richardson, I think, was there. Yeah, Randy was there and a few other people. And it's pretty damn cool. I mean, uh, you know, you, you get – you walk into the mouth of the lion's den and it's – you know, first class treatment all the way. Pookie's there, beautiful as always. Pookie, we actually didn't get Pookie snacks that night, but uh, she's definitely trying to take care, make sure everybody has what they need. And Steve's very, um, very cool to hang out with and very friendly. Like uh, you know, unlike he likes to put off sometimes. He he was he was quite the host. So it's it's a pretty cool thing. And I would yeah yeah it, it's it's everything you would dream it would be. Raining yellow. And that's funny you say that because I totally get you know. The fact Steve has all these guys come to his, you know, come to his house and do all that. I know he gives the little, you know, kind of a shtick of being a hard ass or whatever. But uh, I'd imagine, you know, he's, you know, check this out, check out the the project bike I got going, and so yeah, kind of confirmed what I what I had a suspicion of. So super cool. Yeah, it's very awesome. All right, Rainy Yellow, I got to let you go. Um, I appreciate you coming on, and next time, next time we try to have you on, we definitely need to use your wife's phone because it works way better. <laughs> hey, just just like she truly is my better half as her, as is her uh, as is her phone, so it only made sense. You know, there you go. 
Randy Yell, thank you, man, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. See ya. Bye. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Yeah.